0: The Muzzleloaders.com podcast, your source for all things muzzleloading. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Muzzleloaders podcast, the show where we talk about anything and everything black powder. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by the Black Powder Maniac Shooter, and uh, we are going to be diving into uh, just his YouTube channel, muzzleloading in general. Um, so I'll just go ahead and introduce yourself, Mark?
1: Hi, I am Mark Humphreys and uh, run the Black Pyramid Egg Shooters YouTube channel. But thanks for having me on, Darren.
0: Oh, it is an absolute pleasure. Um, I've had a great time watching your YouTube videos, uh, and I think that uh, you do a really good job of making how-to videos, um, but you know, concepts that can be kind of dry, you do a great job of making them very engaging and fun, and uh, I just thoroughly enjoy watching your YouTube videos, so...
1: Well, thank you, thank yeah. you very much.
0: Oh, of course. Um, so, I guess let's kind of go ahead and start off with you know the basics, Mark. Uh, so, like, how did you get into muzzle loading? How long have you been muzzle loading? All that kind of stuff.
1: It's kind of funny that you ask that because back in 2013, uh, my wife's brother calls me out blue one day and says, "I got this old black powder gun. I want to give you if you want to use it, and come on out here and get it." So. We rode out to his house, and he gave me this one. It, it's a tradition woodsman hawking fifty caliber gun. Mm-hmm. These are probably hundred twenty five bucks in pawn shops here in Kentucky. And he told me you put a little bit of that pyrodex powder down the barrel, and you shove a little ball down in it, or bullets. What he had at the time, and you just you know cap it and you fire it. Mm-hmm. 30 seconds of instructions about all I got, Darren, and I had balls (laughs) dryballed in there, stuck halfway down it, couldn't get them out. I had all kinds of of headaches trying to learn how to basically fire just a regular old percussion gun. Mm. So I said, there's got to be a way to do this better, and and that's one of the reasons why I started making the videos on the channel so others can kind of get started by watching them and not do some of the silly things that I was doing Getting started with just a common percussion
0: gun, yeah. And I know we were talking pre-show a little bit about muzzle loading, and um, it is it is relatively simple. You know, once you understand the basics, it's relatively simple. But it's hard to find information. There's not a whole lot of content out there about that. And so um, there are a few places like your YouTube channel and ours where we're really passionate about putting that information out there because ultimately we just want more people to enjoy. The things that we enjoy which is muzzle loading you know
1: absolutely i agree with you and, and what i try to do is get others involved with it at home i've let almost <laughs> dozens of folks shoot this thing out here in in the woods and they, they kind of as we said a minute ago a little bit intimidated but then show them how easy it is to just load it and, and actually make it work mm-hmm. but then they get real excited about it and and that's what i'm out to do is get others involved so that I won't be shooting by myself all the time. I like that. It's getting others with me to shoot some.
0: Yeah, for sure. And how long ago was it that uh, that you got that muzzleloader and started really getting passionate about it?
1: It was in uh, the fall of 2013. What's that? Nine, ten years ago. And I I started shooting this thing, you know, off and on. And then I told the wife we were in Louisville, Kentucky, one day, and I said, you know, I'm going to go in the Cabela's store. And see if they have a flintlock rifle in there, mm-hmm. and they happen to have one on the shelf, and it was the Kentucky Pedersoli gun, and I picked it up, and bought it, and that one's been the workhorse of the of the channel, pretty much since I've had the channel going, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a pretty beat up gun now because it's been in canoes and in the creeks and in the <laughs> rain and snow, and it looks like a true frontier gun. So yeah. it, that's what really got me hooked was was the flintlock gun.
0: Yeah, I I think I've, a lot of people that I've talked to that have been in muzzleloading for a long time, we had uh, a local guy named Daryl, he runs our local rendezvous, and we had him on the podcast uh, recently, and he was saying that when you are into traditional muzzleloading, and you've been into it for a while, it's almost inevitable that you end up going into Flintlock, because um, it's just a little bit more to it, a little more challenging, and uh, especially for those that really want to put the thought and effort into it um it, you really end up there eventually
1: i absolutely and, and i i loved it and i still shoot this one now and then not as much as that went guns,, mm-hmm. but when i got that one i just totally totally hooked on shooting it and by then i knew what i was doing a little bit better so i didn't dry ball them very often and <laughs> and um and other than when i'm talking to you and we're loading down in the field then i'll do that occasionally but uh yeah. They're they're really pretty easy to use and and it just it got me so hooked that I've basically given up all the other hobbies that I used to do up until then and uh, just just primarily shoot these guns now and love it. Absolutely love it.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm kind of known around the shop here as the dry ball guy because um, <laughs> there was one day that I went out to the range and I was kind of in a rush because it was like getting dark and I just was trying to get things done so I dry balled. And I didn't bring a bullet puller with me, so I had to drive all the way back into town, get a bullet puller, pull it back out, drive back out to the range, and then did the exact same thing again. And, and so I'm like, so like there's kind of a joke around the office about that, um, and there's not much, you know, not, not much that, he, uh, you know, humbles you more than that. You know, if you ever think a little bit too much of yourself, then you're like, oh. You know, I'm not as good as I thought I was, I guess. <laughs> so
1: yeah, exactly. You're pretty much dead in the water until you get it out. You yep. know, and that's the, yep. that's the one of the reasons I put a how-to video together on how to get them out of percussion guns mm-hmm. by shooting them out through the nipples and also one on Flint guns, too. I mean, it was easy for me to do them because I'm, I'm well-experienced, just like you're talking about. So it, yeah. <laughs> setting it up was very easy to do.
0: Yeah. And I've I've done it. I've done it that way. I've done it with the bullet pullers. The bullet pullers are definitely a little trickier because if you strip out the strip out the ball, then I mean, that's just not going to work anymore. Um, and so there's a few different ways to go about getting them out, but, uh, your videos like yours are really nice because dry balling is kind of, um, not, not, not necessarily scary, but frustrating, you know, and it's nice to have a step-by-step like, Hey, this is what I need to do. It's not that big of a deal. We can get this figured out, you know?
1: Exactly. Exactly. When I'm shooting by myself, I don't think anything of it. But it always happens when I'm shooting with others,
2: and, mm-hmm.
1: and I get laughed at it, as you talk about it a minute ago. <laughs> yeah, you drop all another one. You
0: know? Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Part of the game. So
0: yeah. Well, and I, I one of the things that I really liked about your channel is you have a lot of content um, from muzzleloader shoots and uh, like of you being at different muzzleloader shoots and things like that. And one of the things that I have really noticed in working here and stuff like that is the muzzleloader community is just full of excellent people. And if you ended up like dry balling at a rendezvous, which I have done, there's like all kinds of people that are like, Oh, well let's get, you know, let's get this figured out. Let's sort it out. And they're all very friendly and helpful. You know, has been my experience at least.
1: I agree totally. And, and usually two or three of them will come and help you out at one yeah. time. Yeah. Let's, let's do this. Let's try that. And and for the most part, within three or four minutes, you're you're back shooting again. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy shooting with the muzzleloading community. We we shot at a club shoot down in Eastern Kentucky just two weeks ago, and I didn't know any of those fellows, and they they treat us like long lost family or something. We mm-hmm. eating lunch chili with them and shooting their guns, and they're trying ours. And the muzzleloading community is just, for the most part, fabulous folks. Yeah, they'll, they'll give you the shirt off your
0: back if you need it I agree I, of them. Yeah, it's, it's amazing And I have I'm It never ceases to amaze me how You know, welcoming they are Every time I go to a rendezvous You know, because um, I Rendezvous are kind of the things that I like As far as shoots go, that's kind of where I like to hang out Just because a lot of the people that I know locally They go to the rendezvous And so, and they're just all amazing I mean, like you said Give you the shirt off their back, you know
1: whatever if you need powder they'll give it to you round balls, patches
0: mm-hmm.
1: i've given away a few patches and stuff to others and they've given them to me it's just everybody's sharing and that's that's what i really enjoy shooting with them and they, they all treat you it's not because i bring the cameras there they know that the cameras are visible but mm-hmm. they still treated two of us went to the shoot last weekend down there in eastern kentucky and they they treated my other friend the same way. They didn't care mm. about the cameras. Come on in and let's get some chili and we'll go shoot some. And that's just the way they looked at it. Yeah. They didn't they really enjoy the company of, of everyone that was at these shoots. And, uh, we visited the red river renegade group back in Dallas, Texas, back in the summertime. And they were the same way. Mm-hmm. Just treated me like a long lost friend. And we, we, trying each other's guns all afternoon and some strange guns I've never tried before. And that's, that's another thing I like about the, the, uh, getting in with others is don't pull any kind of black powder guns out of the cars here. Try this one. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I really enjoy that. That's, that's very neat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we always say like, if you're wanting to get into muzzle loading, check out a rendezvous or check out a local shoot because, um, you know, don't be intimidated by that because there's going to be people that are going to be chomping at the bit to help you learn.
1: They'll go out of their way to help you get started. Mm-hmm. I've done that with several folks. Just you know, work with them until they get comfortable, and then and and every year on the New Year's Day we have a big free shoot over at the uh, Friendship, Indiana. At the muzzleloading associations grounds. Yeah. And once they're familiar with the guns, I give them one. Here, go shoot it for a while. Mm-hmm. Here's the powder. Here's a bit of lead. Knock yourself out. If you've Got a problem? Come find us. You know, we'll get you running again and. It, it makes it really nice because, let's face it, shooting muzzleloaders is not as expensive as modern weapons anymore.
2: Mm-hmm. If
1: you pour your own round balls, you know, you cuts your own patches. Basically, you're buying powder, plants, and caps, and that's it. And not the modern shells, which are, you know, real outrageous at the moment. You can't even find them reasonable. Yeah. So, we just help, help yourself shoot all you want. You know, don't cost us hardly anything.
0: For sure. Yeah. And, um, that kind of like brings up a question is, uh, you know, with your YouTube videos, how has the recent lack of supply of like powders and percussion caps, how has that affected your production of YouTube videos? Have, were you able to stock up before or how have you gotten around that?
1: I've stocked up before. I, uh, I keep quite a bit of powder handy. And so the, the percussion caps were getting a little low last, Spring and it happened to stop into a pawn shop here in eastern Kentucky. And they had three cases of number 11 caps. Wow. And you know, a box of 10, another box of 10, another box of 10. So I bought two of the three. I don't want everybody to think I'm hoarding. I left the rest
2: of <laughs> them everybody else.
1: And I get accused of hoarding stuff all the time, but I I shoot these things several yeah. hundred times a day, or a week. So I'm running through the caps. They they won't last me but about a year or so, year and a half, and I'll be out looking for more of them. Mm-hmm. So I hey, I when I get out into the field, I'll run these these guns for. You see twelve or fifteen shots on the videos. So as soon as I turn the cameras off, hey, I will shoot them another 50, 60 times. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'll go through the caps. And, and this one I got from you last year or two years ago. This, well, a great flame pistol. I've seen a lot of caps in the last year. <laughs> Yeah, that's. And a I good. I just love shooting that thing. This thing's a barrel of fun to shoot. Oh, I I'm got sure. some videos coming up with this for a long. year. which you'll really enjoy.
0: Honestly, one of my one of my favorite events at muzzleloader shoots is like the pistol trail walks and stuff like that because it's like another element of challenge using that short barrel.
1: It is. If you hit <laughs> something with this gun, you are the man. Because yeah. I'm not saying that from not from not working, just the fact that it does have a a nine inch barrel on it and it's it's hard for me to hit stuff with it so it's got to to hit big and kind of close
0: (laughs) yeah i completely agree um i do kind of want to go back to because you said that uh you know you kind of had some other hobbies that you got away from and just kind of started muzzle loading what what did you like to do before you got into muzzle loading
1: before i got into the muzzle loading i was a uh, 110 percent metal detecting user Hmm. treasure hunting i had uh, metal detectors that i would work uh, mostly old home sites in my area. I grew up in a town that's built in the seventeen hundreds on the Ohio River. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of homes down in town that are built in the eighteen fifties to nineteen hundreds and uh working mill routes where that where I used to do before I retired, I would get permission from the homeowners and they'd say, Yep, yeah, come help yourself. So the little yards down there in those yard in those in town was just full of silver coins and Indian head cents and hmm. wheat back pennies and unusual tokens and just all kinds of things and I did that for 30 years until this thing came into the picture and, <laughs> and I haven't hardly picked a detector up since because so the uh, the the obsession with these just really took over.
0: Yeah, I honestly i I was collecting pennies for a long time. I really enjoyed that, especially like wheat pennies and stuff like that. Um, and then I kind of got out of it as well, but, uh, you know, muzzle loading has kind of been, I, I've always been a big hunter and I know that we were talking a little bit that you actually don't hunt, um, which is, is, is uncommon, you know, and you said that you don't have the patience for it. Is that right?
1: That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. But, but before, uh, when I started in the hobby, uh, we'd work six days a week for the USPS and yeah. Sunday was the only day I had off. So. Once church was over, I had from like 1 o'clock till dark, which this time of year is at 5.30, mm-hmm. to go out and shoot. So my choices are do I want to sit in a tree stand all day and wait for a possible shot, or do I want to get down on the ground and hang a target up and shoot these things 30, 40 times? <laughs> so my, my choice was obviously the second one. Yeah, I didn't have the patient sitting in a tree all day waiting for a possible shot. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll just hang a target up down here along the ground, and we're we'll just going to shoot it.
0: Well, I can't hardly blame you there when you frame it up like that, you know.
1: <laughs> that's that's why I don't I don't really – I don't have anything against hunters. I've got friends down here in Kentucky. I've seen all over Facebook. They've been shooting deer all week since it's deer season in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And Mopar, to them, Yeah. You know, I shake their hand. Great. I don't have a problem with that. But it's just not for me because I don't have the patience to, to wait all day for one to come by, especially when it's cold. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, honestly, like there's not a whole lot of tree stand hunting where I live. And um, you know, the thought of sitting in a tree stand for like thirteen hours a day is um kind of daunting to me, you know? <laughs> Mostly around here it's all like spot oh, and stock. So my, my act my deer season actually started yesterday. Um so I'm gonna be out hunting um tomorrow and the next day as of time of recording, so
1: Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Send yeah. me a picture of it. If you see, one, if you get one, I'd like
0: I, to see it. I will, absolutely. You you'll be the first on my list. So, <laughs> um, and I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about cuz you know, I've been doing muzzle loading for a while. Uh, and then I started working here and started making videos and stuff like that, and there's a lot of effort and work that goes into making videos that people don't really see when all they see is the finished product, you know. Um, what made you want to go from shooting, just shooting black powder to making videos and doing your YouTube channel.
1: I got into the videos part of it basically because I can't hit anything with the black powder guns very, very routinely. So I thought, well, let's <laughs> make like a kind of a comedy, uh fun channel out of it. I got started because my daughter came home from school one day when she was a freshman in high school and said, dad, can you help me make a public service announcement video? And I need to upload it for YouTube YouTube for a black pepper or for a YouTube channel I have. And she we did all that. we made a sexting commercial, which you're not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Don't sex, you know, and that thing. And she, she got an A on it. I thought, if she can do this stuff, why can't I do that with these? Mm-hmm. So so I started using a little cheap Kodak cameras I had laying around here and using Final Cut Pro seven at that time to make this simple two or three, four minute videos of shooting with the white skillets and things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, you know, she can do that. So can I, and that's how the channel really got started. I used her channel for the first 10 or 12 videos. And she came home from school one day and said, dad, no more videos on that <laughs> channel. My phone is going crazy. with All these questions.
2: So
1: <laughs> I started my own channel in 2016. I pulled them all off of hers and, stuck stuck them on a new channel at that time, and that's basically how it got started. And it's fun, but what you mentioned a minute ago about the editing part of it, what a lot of folks don't realize, and you as an editor and several others will realize this, that it takes probably 45 minutes to an hour for every minute of video that you get to watch between the uploading, the editing, cutting out the dead time, uploading it to YouTube. So if you see a five-minute video from someone that's probably five hours of the work roughly to get Mm -hmm. it done. They don't realize that it does take a while to put them together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's something I, I didn't really have any video editing experience when I started this job, you know, earlier this, I started working in marketing in January and kind of learned it all on the fly. And it's, it's a lot of effort, (laughs) you know, and it's like, man, one, you know, one video does take quite a bit of time. And, uh, I think especially there's some videos that you do that are definitely more, uh labor intensive in post than others. Um and I found also found the more that I'm able to do pre production, um, I thank myself later because it's so much easier in post, you know.
1: Yes. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And what what has cut a lot of the time down for me is I try to film everything kind of chronologically in order. I, I try to do an intro on the camera and then the shooting scenes then A wrap up so when I do download it on the computers and drop in the timeline, I don't want that to get too technical here mm-hmm. you know what the timeline is. Oh, yeah, it already is in line with what I want to do. So then it's go through and whack out the dead times and you
2: mm-hmm. know the
1: uh the you know wrong languages or whatever shows up, and it mm-hmm. cut a lot of the time out putting them together, but it's still time consuming, as you, you already know that,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. And another thing that people don't really think about is like coming up with the ideas. And sometimes it's easy. Sometimes you get a question from uh, somebody in your community and you're like, oh, that that'd make a great video. Um, But other times you're kind of like, "Okay, I need to make videos that uh, are going to be interesting and helpful. And uh, how do you come up with your videos? Because I've seen I mean, you have everything from trick shots to like reenacting movie scenes to all kinds of different content on your channel. So how do you come up with those ideas?
1: Most of it is just something to think of as I'm driving down to what I nickname the zoo Bottoms. It's a piece of ground about 10 miles from my house. I think of something going down there. Because so the back of the truck, I have lots of targets and all kinds of things to
2: shoot. Mm-hmm.
1: And just make videos from there. But about a year ago, I put a, a, a what I call a channel update together, asking the viewers of things that they wanted me to try. Within reason, as safe also, and and I still got plenty of suggestions and trying to fulfill those mm-hmm. in the last six and seven months. And I've got one going will put on the channel this weekend or next weekend, with they me to me um, to try something with the cameras and the guns. And so they're giving me plenty of ideas now. I just can't get them all done yeah. fast enough.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, I, I know how that goes. Um, so what, uh, what's what been your best video so far, you think? One that you really sticks in your mind.
1: Um, the one that's got the most views on it is one that teaches you how to cast round balls
0: mm-hmm.
2: an
1: easy way. It's a seven-minute video done with the crude cameras I mentioned earlier. not with the good ones I've got now. But uh, it's got, I don't know, 270,000 views or something. Because it's something that everybody's interested in doing yeah. is getting, um, getting these things so you can quit having to buy round balls and wait for them to be shipped to you. If you can get a little bit of lead and about $150 worth of materials, you could be pouring brown balls tonight.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's how easy it really is. But the, probably the most memorable ones is the trekking pipe videos. I try to put one together every summer of activities that a frontier gun would have done in Kentucky in the 1780s. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a big difference from where you're out there growing up where you weren't settled to what 1870s or whatever it was, mm-hmm. but try to put the buckskins on. And the most recent videos were um, actually stealing guns from a, from a local fort and having a couple guys running through the woods, trying to catch me from stealing guns. And, and mm. I wound up going through a trial and get put in a set of socks
2: at the end of <laughs>
1: at the end of video. Yeah. And let's sit there through the weather for a couple of months. And it's, it, it's something we just think of as we're filming. Thing. Well, let's just twist it this way or or that way. And, mm-hmm. and most of them I'm doing by myself. But recently I've had a couple of other guys that that interested in and in helping out. And that makes it a lot more fun and, and easier to do too.
0: Yeah, I mean, an extra set of hands is always super helpful. You know, because it's tough to film yourself. You know, you got to focus everything, and then. Make sure everything's you know good to go. It's so much easier when you have somebody else to help with that.
1: Sure
0: is. Yeah, I think I think one of my favorite videos that I saw on your channel is the one um, where you shot that card in half. Because uh, <laughs> you put a card in like a piece of two by fours, and then you shot uh-huh. it on the first try, and you're just like you're just like ecstatic that you were able to hit it on the first try.
1: <laughs> I was ecstatic. I. I so excited to hit that. It's yeah. Just, just luck of the draw. I, I was shooting a woods walk with uh, three other fellows over there at the, the Motor Association's event a couple years ago. And four of us were on the woods walk together. And the first three guys cut cards in half. I could not believe it. They were <laughs> none of them missed. And coming to my turn, of course, I choked. You
0: know, so. <laughs> Boy, I, you know, you guys, uh, if you shot with me, you definitely feel a lot better about yourself because I, seems like sometimes I can't hit the broad side of the barn, you know what I'm saying?
1: I, I feel totally what you're saying. And it's, uh, going back to the beers for a minute, I'll show the misses and the hits because, you know, I try to live in, live in the real world with loading. Mm-hmm. You just don't hit every shot. And uh, I've shot with some fellas that are extremely accurate. Mm-hmm. They don't miss very often, but sometimes you do. So I show the fun and the hits and the misses and I think that kind of makes the channel a little more interesting because as you know the editing part, we can always edit out all the misses. Just mm-hmm. put the the hits in, but first of all I wouldn't think that those type of videos would be any fun, you know. Yeah. You get everything every time. Just get boring, so I put hits misses and uh drawball guns in action and whatever they get dropped in the mud it's just anything like that put them right in there
0: yeah i Make totally agree yeah i think that i think that what people really want especially when it comes to loading, is like real content you know of like what's really happening and and that sort of thing and uh yeah it's that's definitely the stuff that i like to watch for sure you know um oh, yeah
1: totally agree
0: yeah um so you know kind of sw- switching gears here a little bit we're talking about muzzle loading and um one question that i like to ask a lot of our guests on here is uh you know the state of muzzle loading you know as far as where muzzle loading's at as a whole as far as our community goes um you know the culture like what are your thoughts on the state of muzzle loading right now and what are some things that you would like to see moving forward
1: I believe in the last 12 to 14 months with the uh, virus situation going on, the most of actually picked up mm-hmm. because the seasons are extended. Uh, if you get to go out, if you like to hunt with them, and you can actually find round balls and, and so forth to shoot. The the, the tough part is, is the inline type of weapons is probably uh, selling faster than anything versus the traditional ones especially. I think that part is good, but to me, if you're shooting muzzleloaders, you'll eventually talk them into these kind of guns yeah. if they have inlines. Mm-hmm. And get them pulling the trigger on some type of a muzzleloader is, is the name of the game to me. Now, I might catch some flack for saying that, but I think if you get them stuffing a the piece of lead down the barrel and shooting it, they're already hooked. Mm-hmm. You just have to get them convinced to, to go this route or go to flintlocks or even mm-hmm. nothing else, just Percussion pistols, yeah. And everybody I've ever let try these, it's like the shot-in lines. Eventually, said, man, those are great guns, and, and quite a few of them has actually switched over and bought percussion guns. Mm-hmm. And so I think the hobby is going to stay level. The inlines is going to pick up a little bit, especially with the virus uh, going on in the last year, year and a half. The modern gun movement is going to slow down because you can't find shells for them right now, or at least here in Kentucky, you have a hard time finding them.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I I agree with you, and I think that inline muzzleloaders, what it does is it gives people something that they are a little bit more familiar with to get started, because the same the principle is essentially the same. You know, you load from the muzzle. You know, you have a percussion cap that goes in from the breech, or you know, reasonable proximity thereof. And once you have that concept down, then side locks and flint locks become a little bit less intimidating, you know, and you're like, okay, I understand the basics of how this works. And now I'd love to go to something like that and take, you know, take part in a traditional shoot or something like that, you know?
1: I believe it's going to convert a lot of shooters. Uh, They're going to keep their end lines because it allows the seasons to go longer, especially Mm -hmm. in, Pennsylvania and places like that. But I still believe that, you know, not every one of them, but quite a few of them are going to go to at least uh, percussion guns. Mm-hmm. And once they get hooked into them, you'll finally get them into Flint, when, Flint guns a little, little later. It's just part of Maybe. your master
0: plan, Mark. You're just like, we're going to convert <laughs> all these people. They're going to be shooting Flintlocks.
1: I love it. I love it. I love it. I've introduced quite a few folks to the uh to the flintlock world and the, the muzzle loading world and and one of the, the favorite type of videos i really enjoy doing is i call it the flintlock female fun mm-hmm. uh playlist and i ask ladies around here that probably never pull the trigger on any kind of gun to come out one afternoon and shoot these things and and i'll put easy targets up for them to hit mm-hmm. i got a big foot target that's massive and they love shooting that thing and uh, boy they just they just the smiles on their faces is absolutely priceless oh yeah they want to shoot some more so just a matter of getting it in their hands and letting them pull the triggers what it takes
0: I totally agree and it's a matter of making it fun too you know because there are there are competition aspects to muzzle loading and for people that are really competitive and experienced that's the way they should go but there's also a lot of aspects of muzzle loading where it's like it's go out and ring some steel you know when you know yeah see the smoke cloud, hear the ping. That's the fun that people really want to have, you know, and not making it this huge competition where there's all this pressure, especially when people are starting out.
1: I agree. I agree. And what I try to do is get involved with the, with the clubs in Pennsylvania and Ohio and even with the Texas back in the summer. And I even ask the organizers, can you get on the other end of the line where four or five of us can get down there, laugh and joke? hang a couple of steel targets out there or water jugs or something and laugh and jug, forget the competition. Mm -hmm. and everybody so far has pretty much done that and actually the shooters on the other end are coming down to our (laughs) end wanting to shoot the guns too. because 'Cause we're laughing and acting silly and being safe now. Don't think you're wrong, but acting goofy and silly and we're we're shooting each other's guns and I'll laugh at you if you miss, and I'll laugh with you if you hit it, and, mm-hmm. you know, and they laugh at me, and that to me is just a barrel of fun. I could do that all afternoon in, in a heartbeat, and that's what I try to do is to just keep it fun. I'm not against com- competition, but I can't hit things, so <laughs> I just leave that to the ones that I actually can shoot. Mm-hmm. I just like to go down the other end and just keep it fun, and that's that's me. But Anytime somebody wants to do that, Sign me up. I'm in.
0: Yeah, for sure. Do you, do you ever throw a hawk and knife? I do.
1: I do. I got a block out in the backyard that I, that I play with, and uh, uh, my video put on that channel about a year and a half ago. Hang a piece of string across this across a tree with a milk jug hanging on it from a rope of the tree. Mm-hmm. Try to cut the string with the hawk, and then have the jug swinging and shoot it with the gun. Oh man, that that's fun to try that.
0: Yeah. Oh, that, I like
1: doing
0: that too. Yeah, I, honestly, hawk and knife is one of my favorite events, um, you know, at the traditional shoots and stuff, just because it's a different thing. And I love shooting muzzleloaders, but there's something about sticking, a, you know, a knife or a tomahawk in a block that's just really satisfying, you know.
1: Oh, couldn't agree more. Yeah. I love it.
0: So I have to ask, what is your favorite muzzleloader of all time?
1: My favorite most loader is uh, a smoothbore.
0: Really? Um, like a trade gun? Yeah. Or are we talking about like a musket?
1: Uh, trade guns. I, I have a trade gun, a better trade gun. And what I enjoy about that thing is you can stick within reason pretty much anything down the barrel to, to shoot. I put a video about five of them together a year and a half or so ago when I first got that gun. I was shooting a popsicle sticks out of it, chicken skewers, um, toothpicks, uh, springs, and batteries, and arrows, and all kinds of things out of it at balloons and targets. And it's it, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. I like shooting that. Putting bucking ball notes together, i put shot in them, mm-hmm. shooting clay pigeons with it. And versatility-wise, that, that's probably one of the most favorite guns that, that I like to play with is the is smooth bores.
0: Yeah, trade guns are definitely interesting because they're so – versatile um i've even heard of of people that will have an event where you have to find a a, a stone that is approximately the right size and shoot it out of the trade gun you know i
1: would be all for that yeah i'd love to do that
0: yeah they're so they're so because you can shoot shot round balls you know anything out of them they're they're a ton of fun so
1: i believe back in the in the, in the day that if a if a man in the, Oh, I don't know. East of Kentucky was low on wet and he can actually find some Creek rocks. He would stuff them down in there to shoot at an enemy or a bear or, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever to, to uh, kill at the east. I mean, for sure. You know, they're versatile.
0: Yeah. And I think we're going to go ahead and we'll switch gears here a little bit. I have one question for you and it's kind of pertaining to your YouTube videos. And I I need to know what is, what's the funniest thing that you can remember ever happening while, while filming a YouTube video?
1: Uh, one day it was uh, asking the wife if she would help me out. Most of these videos I do by myself, but mm-hmm. she said sure. So I wanted to do a running and a reloading scene, which is what uh, the frontiersmen would have done in eastern Kentucky by shooting their shot at an enemy. They would run through the woods and stuff powder down in the barrel and put a round ball in it, and just kind of ram it quickly on the run. And then turn around, prime it, and shoot at the enemy again. Mm. She's okay. So we stuck a camera in the window of the minivan that we have on a selfie stick. So it's pointing out towards this grassy field. I asked her, I said, now stay with me. So as I'm running down through this field, shooting a gun, reloading it, and the first time, the lock snapped and it wouldn't go off. Oh, oh no. my. Back <laughs> up the hill, do it again. And on the seventh try, I was about wore out. The grass was slick and fell right down on my back. She's <laughs> cracking up laughing. Um, she said, are you done playing now? <laughs> so got up with mud off and down the back and the mud in the barrel, of the gun, and she just cracking up laughing.
0: <laughs> oh, man.
1: That kind of stuff happens once in a while when you're filming things.
0: Yeah, that is that is hilarious. It's it's so funny, too, because, you know, you have this vision of something that you want from a YouTube video, and you just start trying to make it happen. And it just doesn't quite work out the way you want it to, you know? <laughs> yeah, I can I can definitely relate to that, so. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is funny. Um, well, I think that we're kind of getting ready to wrap things up here, but I want to make sure I give you some space, you know, if people are listening to this and they want to check out your content that we've been talking about uh how do they find you you know what are what are some ways that they can can see that stuff
1: probably the easiest way Darren is for them to open up youtube.com and just type in the words black powder maniac shooter then
2: mm-hmm.
1: the channel will pop up and then once they open it up there's probably a 200 videos on there in about six or seven different playlists uh, I have one for flintlock shooting. I have one for smoothbore shooting, percussion gun
2: shooting, mm-hmm.
1: pistol shooting, and uh, the um, treks are on one. So pretty much anything that they would be interested in seeing would be on there. You just have to mm-hmm. click around the playlist. I separate them for two reasons. So I can find things when I'm looking for them,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: you as a viewer can also find things that particularly would interest you. There's also one called Black Powder Tips, as he mentioned earlier, that will allow you to look up how to shoot flintlock rifles, how to cut patches, how to make round balls, how to cut cleaning patches, and so forth.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: that's probably the easiest way to do it, is to just look up Black Powder Maniac Shooter on YouTube and uh, go from there. I do have a P.O. Box, uh, Box 11, Washington, Kentucky. Four ten ninety six. If you send me something corresponding wise, I will answer it. Get back with you. Yeah. Um, so I'm willing to do that. I've I've had folks send me things, and and I'll send them little campaign buttons with the channel name on it. If anybody asks, I'll be glad to send them one. Pretty easy to find, and it's it. I try to keep the channel fun and entertaining. Don't want dry, boring videos on it. Just. When you mm-hmm. open one up, they're usually nine to ten minutes long, and I want you to just kind of watch it all the way through and see what kind of crazy things going to happen next.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you definitely keep people on their toes. Uh, I will say that. Right, dude. <laughs> right, dude. Yeah, and uh, like we're talking about, your how-to videos are awesome. If you guys have any question uh, about muzzle loading, definitely check out the how-to videos. They're all very informative and fun to watch, too, because sometimes how-to videos can be a little bit dry. Um, but not, not Mark's marks are awesome. So, uh, Mark, (laughs) I really appreciate you joining us for this podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you.
1: Oh, love it. Thank you for the invitation, Darren.
0: Oh, for sure. Anytime. We'll have to have you back on sometime soon. Love it. Cool. Thanks. And, uh, also any of you guys listening or watching, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, click the bell to receive notifications. Whenever we post content, uh, we post podcast once a week and we have other videos that are going up on Friday and, uh, we've actually been experimenting with doing some YouTube shorts on Mondays. So make sure to check those out. Uh, if you're listening just on an audio platform, be sure to leave us a review and, uh, cause that's going to really help out the show. It's going to help get this content into the hands of people who need it. And uh, yeah, thank you guys so much. We'll see you on the next podcast.